Welcome to Chapel of the Lake in Lake St. Louis, Missouri. The Chapel family is a multi-generational community of believers who gather weekly to worship and explore God's Word as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us now as Pastor Keith Spa opens the Scriptures. Well, I'm so glad that you all made it this morning, despite all the cold. And I think now everything is up and running. It's been that kind of a morning where... Uh, we got here, one of the heaters wasn't working this morning, the, uh, the internet was down, the network was out, uh, seemed like anything that could go wrong probably was, and uh, that's kind of par for the game on the coldest day of the year, the coldest day we've had in quite a while, in the last several years, so I think we better pray. <laughs> I got to catch my breath, it's... Father, we do thank you. What a delight that even on this cold day we can gather together, that through the the wonders of technology that I think are working right now, a lot of folks who couldn't make it this morning are able to join us even from home, that together as the family we come as this church of believers, and we're able to come into your presence and worship you. We are able to come together to encourage one another, to strengthen one another. We are able to come and to open your word and here to learn of you, to meet with you. So thank you for these opportunities. We ask in these moments that you would, from your word, teach us and instruct us that we might see and learn things that we have not known before, that we might be reminded of things that we have forgotten, that we might be convicted of things which we have ignored or disobeyed, that in all of this that you would use it to draw us nearer to you to encourage our, our hearts, to strengthen our hands, and to enable us to live fully for you. So, Father, we come with eagerness and with open hearts to you and ask that you would meet with us in this time for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we began a short series of messages looking at the church, specifically with the aim to elevate our view and our value of the church, living in an age and in a culture where the majority, we noted last week, the majority of those who claim to be evangelical believers in Jesus Christ, that they believe the Bible is the Word of God, and that they are trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, that they have been born again, but the majority of whom go to church only occasionally. They are not regular participants in the life of any local church. And that's concerning. 
For what we find is the scripture has quite a high view of the church. And last week we looked specifically at two passages in Matthew to see what Jesus had to say about the church. Because Jesus talked about the church, he mentioned the church in two passages in the Gospel of Matthew, and we looked at those last week. We noted that Jesus mentioned this new thing that he said he would build, the church. And we noted among other things that this church he would build is a universal and invisible and spiritual entity comprised of every true believer in Jesus Christ from all ages and all places. We also saw last week that Jesus expects and assumes that the members of his universal church, all true believers in Jesus Christ, will assemble together with other members of his church in local gatherings. And in these local gatherings, the members will have connection to and commitment to and accountability to one another. Jesus and the rest of the New Testament likewise refers to these local gatherings of believers also as the church. The church is both universal and invisible, and it is local and visible. The local church is the visible representation of the invisible universal church. You know, we have many different ways of placing value on things. We value some things highly because of their beauty. We value other things highly because of their rarity. We value some things like houses partly on the basis of their size, partly on the basis of their construction and their condition, but primarily based on their location. We have lots of different ways of valuing things. But ultimately, the value of something is determined by what the price that someone is willing to pay for it. And while many people today... As I mentioned before, sadly, even many professing Christians dismiss the church and consider it of little value or little importance. The church is a treasure of inestimable value because the church was purchased with the highest conceivable price. It was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. God the Son, God incarnate, the church of God, which he, Jesus, obtained with his own blood. That's how valuable the church is. So I know I'm preaching to the choir, as I said last week, when I speak to us about the value of the church. But our aim here is to increase our value of the church and our view of the church so that we might be able then to share it with others who claim the name of Jesus, that they might likely value the church highly. Today and for the next two weeks, we come to the book of Ephesians, and I would encourage you to open your Bibles 
If you didn't bring one, there's one in the pew in front of you, and I'd encourage you to open to the book of Ephesians, beginning this morning in chapter 1. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be here in the book of Ephesians looking at three images, three pictures of the church which are portrayed for us here in this book of Ephesians. Pictures, illustrations, word pictures that will help us to understand the church and appreciate a little more its great worth. And today, the picture that we are looking at is, as it says there on the screen, the church as a body. The church as a body. We begin with, here in Ephesians chapter 1 and with verses 22 to 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, that is Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In these two short verses, I want to point out two very important truths about the church as a body. The first is this, that the church is a vital union, a vital union. God has given Jesus the church. He is the head of the church, and we are his body. He has given Jesus to the church, you will notice it says. We are not the same as Jesus. The head is not the same as the body but we are intricately and vitally connected to each other. Adrian Rogers put it this way, the head and the body are not identical, but they are inseparable. So it's ridiculous, it's foolish for a person to say, I, I love Jesus. I'm a Christian, but I want nothing to do with the church. It's like someone telling you, hey, I love you, but I hate your body. (laughs) That that just won't fly. It won't fly with any of us. With with all of us, we understand the head and the body are a package deal. (laughs) If you say to me, you know, hey, I love you, but I hate your body, and so you decide that you're going to separate the two, we will both uh, discover, especially to my sorrow here, that... um, That can't be done. We'll figure out the hard way. They're inseparable. Without each other, they do not exist. That's a little of the picture here. Of course, Jesus Christ is eternal. So the analogy breaks down, but the reality is he's saying that the the body and the head, they are not identical, but they are inseparable. We are vitally linked together, and we as the church cease to be without Jesus Christ. God in his great love for us has connected Jesus to us and with us. He is the life of the church. We are in a vital union, and we are, as I said, and I got the slides out of order this morning, we are united with him in his suffering. Because of this union with Christ, we can expect that because we are so identified with him, 
We are so connected to him that we will suffer. We can expect to suffer on his behalf. Jesus promised that. That night in the upper room before his crucifixion, Jesus told his disciples, John 15, 20, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. He goes on a couple of verses later, If they hate you, it's because they hated me first. We can expect that we are vitally connected with him, so we are united with him in suffering. But not only are we united with him in suffering, we will be and are united with him in his glory. These two verses here in Ephesians 1 that we just read, verses 22 and 23, are the ending of a prayer which the Apostle Paul is praying for the Ephesian church. And we can extend it to, it would be his prayer for us as well as followers of Jesus Christ. And back in verse 18, Paul prays that these Ephesians will be having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? As believers in Jesus Christ, as part of his body, we are called to an unimaginable and glorious destiny. But don't miss that phrase there. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Because we usually read that phrase and we think the glorious inheritance that we have in Christ, but that's not what the sentence says. It says that we are the inheritance that he has. You see, the riches of his glorious inheritance in us. You see, I look at you guys and quite frankly... You know, I'm not overly impressed. I mean, you're nice folks and everything, but you're not overly impressive. And you guys look at me, and you're not impressed at all either. We look around the room, we go, yeah, yeah, nice people. But for Jesus Christ to be saying, wow, you guys are my glorious, rich inheritance. I go, really? That's pretty cool. Jesus says we are his glorious inheritance. What an astounding statement. And he values us that highly. He values the church that highly. Why people don't think much of the church when Jesus says it's his glorious inheritance? They're calling Jesus a liar. In Texas, those are fighting words. How the more an insult when we think less of the church, we devalue the church when Jesus says, it is my treasure. Hmm. Never miss that. There's another astounding thing here, another marvelous thing. And that is that there is here a marvelous filling. Look at verse 23 where it says, the church which is his body. 
the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus is the one who fills all in all. Because over in Colossians, the next book of the Bible, says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, that for by him, by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Jesus created everything. And it goes on to say in two verses later, it says that in him all things hold together. Not only did he create everything, but he's the one who holds everything together. You know, they still don't understand why the atoms don't fly apart. Well, I know the answer to that is Jesus holds them together. Jesus is the one who fills all in all because he's the one who created everything. And he is the one who holds everything together. He is the one who's going to bring everything to completion. And in our relationship with him... What's very interesting is it says here, not that he is our fullness, but it says the church, which is his body, the church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. What that means is this, that the church is that which Jesus fills. He, the head, connected with his body, the church, He fills us with his fullness. The church is the fullness of him because in the church we we have the the fullness of God, the fullness of Jesus Christ. He fills us in such a way that the, the church then becomes the visible manifestation of our invisible head. The world cannot see the head of the church Because he is in heaven at the right hand of the throne of God. But what they can see is his body. And the church, his body, as we are filled with the fullness of our head, the church in a very real sense becomes the presence of Jesus Christ in the world. That is his intention for the church. To be his visible representation today. Which brings us to the second big truth of these verses. And that is that Jesus works through his church. What is the purpose of a body? Well, the body exists to carry out the instruction of the head. The head says, I need a drink. The hands grab the cup. The lips open up. Take a drink. And the stomach goes, ah, and the throat goes, ah. The body works at the instructions of the head. In declaring Jesus as the head and us as the body, we understand that what the Scripture is saying is the, the church is Jesus' chosen means of operating in the world. It's Jesus' chosen vehicle for accomplishing his purpose in the world is the church. We are, as the church, the hands and the feet. We are the voice of Jesus in this world today to accomplish his purposes here. I tell you, as you go through the pages of Scripture, we cannot find anywhere in Scripture where Jesus has plan B. 
If we as the church do not operate as the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus in this world, it doesn't happen. You know, today there are thousands of parachurch organizations, Christian organizations, that, Christian groups that have been founded and put together to do all sorts of ministries. There are mission agencies. There are student ministries. There are Christian schools, Christian colleges, Christian seminaries. There are uh, homeless ministries. There's camps and retreat centers. There are counseling organizations. There's Christian radio and Christian TV. And there's medical ministries. And there's homeless ministries. And there's we, we can go on and on and on. Thousands of them. And I have nothing against them. And I think they have their place And I support and recommend quite a few of them for various reasons. But they are not the church. And they will not replace the church. Jesus founded the church. Jesus promised to build his church, as we saw last week, and that his church would prevail. So therefore, these... Christian organizations will not ever replace the church and they must not diminish the need and the importance and the centrality of the church of Jesus Christ. So while these ministries can be helpful in assisting the church, I think they are useful and effective only to the extent that they they point people towards Jesus Christ and his church. Going back up to verse 19, where Paul is praying, Paul prays there that the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened so that we may know, he says, what is the incomparable greatness of his power towards us who believe. He says this power is the the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that seated him in the heavenly places above all rule, above all authority, above all power, above all dominions, above all names. And he put all things, it's the same power that put all things under Jesus' feet. It's the same power that put him overhead, over all things, including the church, his body. And he says, this power is toward us who believe. And so I wonder, what does that mean? If we're to have this power, if this power is toward us and in us who believe, should we be working miracles and doing supernatural things? And why don't we see then this power more at work in us today? May I say that the answer to that is the reason we don't see the power of God more at work in us today as the church, it's because we generally tend to be looking in the wrong places for the wrong reasons. You know, in the human body, when limbs and members are not subject to the head, that's a tragedy. We call it paralysis if the limbs and members of the body do not move. It's paralysis. Or if the members move 
disregarding the head and just do things. We call that spastic or spasms. When there's a disconnect between the head and the brain, and the brain says, you know, I'm thirsty, get me a drink. And the hand, you know, how ridiculous it would be if the hand just said, well, you know, I'm kind of busy right now scratching my head. Don't really want to do that. No, but I'm thirsty. Yeah, maybe in a few minutes. That's ridiculous. It's foolish. Sadly, in the body of Christ, we see it often. Jesus says, share the gospel, and we go, we can't hear you. Jesus says, love your neighbor. We go, la, 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 can't, can't hear you, can't hear you. <laughs> do good to your enemy. No, won't do it. Obey your parents. Speak the truth here. How often do we ignore him, the head? How often do we disobey him? We just can't imagine that in the physical body, and yet we do that in the body of Christ. Henry Varley was a British evangelist. He had a conversation once with a young man named Dwight Moody. Varley told him, he said, you know, they were just having a casual conversation out in a park. He said, you know, the world has yet to see what God will do with and for and through, and in, and by the man who is fully consecrated to him. See, you know, that's how unusual it is to find someone who just always listens to the head. He says, man, whatever the head wants, I'm doing it. Whatever you want, Jesus, I'm doing it. Fully, all the time. He says, I don't think the world's ever seen that yet. Well, Dwight Moody pondered those words for quite a while as he was on his way home from England. And he said, by God's grace, I want to be that man. Despite being a seventh grade dropout, Dwight Moody became one of the greatest preachers and evangelists of his day, we could arguably say in the history of the church. Someone wrote about Moody. Moody never set out to be great in ministry. Rather, he chose simply to be faithful. He yielded himself completely to God, allowing the Lord to use him however he chose. May I say that is how it can be with us. The head is waiting for the body to say, here I am. Here we are. Whatever it is you want, Jesus, I'm here. And I'll do. When you say go, I'll go. When you say jump, I'll say how high. Jesus said, as we read last week, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so he's saying that the church is unstoppable. The church of Jesus Christ is unstoppable. It will prevail. Except that we often stop ourselves. The gates of hell cannot stand against. The gates of sin and death cannot stand against the church. And yet we often stop ourselves. 
personally and as the church because we will not submit or listen to the head. I am convinced that the more that you and I personally and the more that you and I together as the church make it the desire of our heart to respond to our head, we make it the cry of our prayers to do his purpose, then the more we will begin to see his power at work in and through us. As the church, we are in a vital union with Jesus Christ. He is the head and we are his body because, and for the purpose that Jesus works through his church. There's another couple of valuable truths we want to see here in Ephesians. We're going to move to another passage. Just go over to chapter 4. We need to look at another passage here that deals with this picture of the church as the body of Christ. Chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. They can preach a whole sermon or two on that passage. As a matter of fact, I have before and I'm not going to do that this morning. Just want to call attention to one thing. See, this is a picture of the body of Christ, an aspect of this this picture of the body of Christ that we are most familiar with. We as the church are the body of Christ, and he has given gifts to us. As a matter of fact, we read earlier in our scripture reading, Rob picked that out, and he and I don't collaborate on these things, but so often you might notice that he he and I parallel on, uh, on where we're going in scripture readings and things, and did that. We read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. I will read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the the common good. We are the body of Christ, and just as our physical bodies have many different parts, each which have different functions in the body for the good of the body, he says, so it is with Jesus' body. Jesus has given gifts to us as members of the body. We are one body, but we all have different gifts, different abilities for the sake of the body. So we skip down to verse 11. And he says there, And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I'm going to stop there in the middle of verse 12. Because here we find the first of a couple of reasons why Jesus has given these gifts to the church. He's given these gifts to the church to equip the body for ministry. You see, if we are going to be Jesus' hands and Jesus' feet, doing his will and doing his work in this world, then we need equipping. We need training. We need teaching. And so we discover here that the church is Jesus' training ground for his ministers. It's a training ground for 
his body. This is a big part of why we gather together on Sunday mornings and other times. We gather as the church. We gather as the church so that we might be equipped, so that we might be prepared to then be scattered into the world tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week. Scattered to do the work of God. We all need to learn to know and to use the toolbox of the Word of God. We need to learn it so we know it, so that we can use it, so that when we are out in the world, we are ready when God brings ministry opportunities across our path, which He will do constantly through our weeks if we'll open our eyes and look and listen. And you will begin to notice when you open your eyes and begin to look and listen that not only does God bring ministry opportunities across your path, but he will prepare you for those ahead of time. In the Sunday school lesson you had last week or two weeks ago, or in the message that you heard, or when you gathered this church and and you were in a conversation with another member and you were talking about something, and you will realize that God is constantly using the church to prepare you and teach you for the opportunities that he will place in your path. You see, the work of ministry isn't just for the the paid pastors. The, The ministers of this church are not just myself and Pastor Aaron. It's not just the pastoral staff or even the paid staff of the church or even the staff and the elders or the elders and the deacons, the ministers of the church. You will notice it says here, it is to equip the, who? Saints. Who is that? You. Every believer in Jesus Christ. For what? The work of ministry. Who are the ministers of the church? The saints. All of us. Don't ever think that I'm the minister of the church. No, I am one of all the ministers of the church. We're all ministers together. And we come together that we might be trained and equipped by being together as the family, learning, growing together. Now back to the second half of verse 12. For another purpose, why he has given these gifts to the body. For the equipping of the saints to minister and, here we go, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may all no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Again, a whole other sermon there. But here's the point. What he's saying is the church, as we gather, the church is the place. The church is where we grow up. We gather as the church because it is here that Jesus Christ intends for his church to mature to grow into adulthood, to grow to be conformed, it says here, to the fullness of Christ. Remember it says earlier that he fills us as a church with his fullness. 
He fills the church with his fullness so that you and I individually can grow into the fullness of Christ. Not meaning that we are going to become Christ, but that we are going to become like him. More and more like him every day in our character. To be so full of Christ that when people around us at work, people around us at school, people around us in our neighborhood, the people who deal with us at the quick trip, they get just a little glimpse of what Jesus is like by seeing how we are. Who we are. Notice verse 16. This growth occurs in the community of the church through the interaction of each part doing its part. We don't just gather here as the church so that the pastor up front giving the message can do a knowledge dump into your brain. You know, we get a little information transfer here from the pastor and everybody goes, well, okay, I learned a lot. And we go home and uh, that's it. Yes, I work hard to study the scripture to teach you what the scripture says that we might learn from the word of God because my wisdom is worth nothing. The wisdom of the word of God is of inestimable value. But folks, growing in Christ, growing in maturity is more than just learning a bunch of knowledge from the pastor. He says it happens when we as the body come together and each part is working properly. Makes the body grow as it builds itself up in love. In other words, it's the interaction of all of us. One of the things we do is we teach and admonish one another, the Scripture says, and we sing together. When we sing, we learn as other people are singing. And we hear what they sing, and we go, oh. We teach and admonish one another as we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, Colossians says in Colossians 3. But it's more than that. It's each one of us as we come and we interact with the body and we serve one another and we listen to one another and we share with one another what the Lord is teaching us and we pray for one another. As we interact with each other, we grow together and we build one another up. And what he has just said is the importance of the body of Christ because what he has just said is that when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow. We, the implication is that when any parts of the body are not working properly or are absent, they're missing in action, the body suffers. Just as it would if all of a sudden your hand decided, I'm going to take a break. I'm not going to be around for a couple of weeks. Hope you're okay. And off it goes. You're looking there, no hand. Wait a minute. And just as you're dealing with that, your left foot says, oh, by the way, I have another engagement. See ya. You know, soccer. It's soccer today. It's gone. Wait. And oh, yeah, by the, you know, and we, we wait a minute. That's the point. 
See, what Jesus is saying is that each one of us needs the church, and the church needs each one of us in the body of Christ. That's why, as I said last week, I am fully convinced that every believer in Jesus Christ, if they are physically able, needs to be connected into and needs to be committed to engaged with a local church. If you don't have a local church that you're connected to and engaged with and committed to, this is a good one. Make it here. But whether it's here or somewhere else, we need to be part of the church. To those millions of believers who claim faith in Jesus Christ but think the church is unnecessary or irrelevant, they are sadly and terribly wrong. And they are hurting themselves and they are depriving the body of Christ. And when they deprive the body of Christ, they are depriving the head. Yeah, see, I don't think Jesus takes that lightly. May I say, it is a wonderful blessing and a wonderful privilege to be a part of Jesus' body, part of his universal church. It's also a vital necessity and a great blessing to be connected into a local church. See, there's no place I'd ever rather be than gathered with the body of Christ. It is the highlight of my week coming together with a family, with the body, gathering with the church. And I hope it is for you as well. Well, next time we're going to look at another word, another word picture here describing the church, the church as a building. We'll save that for next time. Let's close. Father, thank you. Thank you that in your great wisdom, as we said, as we began our service this morning, You did not leave us alone in this world to live as your followers, but you placed us in community to live together and walk together and work together as a community of faith, the body of Christ, together as the body to encourage one another and to challenge one another and to build up one another, that together we might mature and become more like Jesus so that the world, when they look at us, they see more of what Christ is like. So we might be effective in the mission that you left us with, which was to make disciples, to point people to Jesus, and to to let them know there is salvation in Christ, there is forgiveness of sin, and eternal life to any and all who will place their faith and their trust in him. So, Father, thank you for the church. And we thank you for this local church, for this chapel family. What a blessing. What a blessing that even on this cold day when it was difficult to get out, so many were able to come. And again, as we said earlier, what a blessing that so many who couldn't get out are even at this very moment joining with us, at least online. They are here with us in heart and spirit and joining with us even now as we pray your blessing, Father, on this church. May we as the chapel be saying to you, Father, we are yours. Whatever you as the head want, we want to be that. Whatever you as the head want us to do, we want to do that. 
Nothing more, for there is nothing greater than that. But, Father, nothing less. May we be your church and your people here in this place for the glory of Jesus. In his name we ask it. Amen. May God bless you as you grow in your walk with him this week.